It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got John Paul on his own taking your calls uh, today, 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We will, in this hour, be talking about the formation of our new government. It only took 140 days since we went to the polls to finally elect a Taoiseach. And of course, as we know, our Taoiseach is one of our own from Cork, Micheál Martin, it's only the second time we have had a Cork Taoiseach and it's only been 40 years since the last, uh, the late uh, Jack Lynch. And I can already see, uh, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on the new government formation and the new cabinet and the new ministers and the different portfolios and some of the portfolios really, particularly some of the portfolios that have been given to the Green Party. The one that Catherine Martin She's been give, She's now Minister for Culture, Arts, Media, Tourism and uh, Sports. It's just a whole huge, huge uh, portfolio. Anyway, we'll talk more with our political editor later on about the different appointees. Who were the winners? Who were the losers? And your thoughts welcomed uh, on it. And I'm already seeing Anne saying Mio Martin has made a big, big mistake by not giving his deputy leader, uh, Dara Kaliri, a ministerial job. He will regret that decision says um, and there's a lot in the papers about it with people saying it's an absolute disgrace others felt it was a snub on uh, Dara Kaliri. now of course in Micheál Martin's defence he'll say I didn't have enough posts uh, to go around so he is Dara Kaliri has been made the government chief whip and he seemingly he he was seemingly, if you read some of the papers, quite visually upset. People could see that he was uh, disappointed. But he is the type of guy who will, you know, make his peace with the appointment and will do an excellent job. I heard that quote from somebody else. But there are lots within the Fianna Fáil party very, very annoyed at Micheál Martin over that particular, over not appointing. Dara Kaliri to a senior post and actually seeing it as a direct snub on Dara Kaliri. So your thoughts uh, welcomed on that and also uh, your thoughts on the whole thing of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael coming together, end of civil war politics and I mean it even got mentioned and we'll have a piece on Micheál Martin's homecoming. He came home yesterday uh, for, the, for the day and it was very, very emotional. Certainly the pieces we watched on TV and our own Fiona Corcoran went down and she's put together a little package for us which will play out uh, a little bit later on. Uh, 
Uh, but Michael has already been on saying, Hi Patricia, it is something that we will never forget. The historical day, Saturday, June 27th, 2020. A day when old political party rivalries have been set aside to put together a government to tackle the massive challenges that lie ahead. We have to congratulate both Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin for breaking that mould. I sincerely hope, says Michael in his text, that civil war politics is buried for good in this country. Amidst this great historical opportunity for our country, Michael feels it was uh, absolutely disgusting to hear certain party leaders from the much fractured segments of the opposition lecturing everyone in government benches while displaying absolutely no appetite whatsoever to attempt to negotiate any form of government in the last 140 days. Michael says, I must say that I'm delighted that Helen McEntee has been appointed as Minister for Justice. Helen, who studied economics, politics and law at DCU, is a very capable, level-headed lady, as she has proven when she was Minister for Health and Older People and actually in 2016, our own John Paul had the privilege to interview her during that time. But it was in 2017 that Leo Varadkar appointed her as Minister for European Affairs and she really impressed everyone both at home and in Europe with her command of detail in the sensitive Brexit discussions as well as assured media performances. Let no one be in any doubt. The Department of Justice is in a safe pair of hands with the now Minister Michael McEntee and that comes in with uh, best wishes from Michael. Thank you for that, Michael. Yeah, I have to say... Helen McEntee really came on to my radar in that position in European affairs. I mean, any time that she appeared on a TV and it was usually with uh, Simon Coveney with the very sensitive and delicate Brexit negotiations, she was always just came across like an absolute star she, and, and really uh, appeared to know her brief uh, and was just knowledgeable. But what was calm at a time during the Brexit negotiations when there seemed to be a lot of people running around like headless chickens calm was what you needed and certainly there was a great level of calm with with Helen McEntee so it'll be we will watch her career with interest now that she steps up as the Minister for uh, Justice and Willie in Kilbritton is is on with the suggestion for our new Taoiseach Micheál Martin a suggestion for Micheál Martin if he's looking for people from outside the government to give advice he should go to Father Peter McVerry and Father Sean Healy they are two very wise men I'd have to agree with you on that uh, Willie and I think any time I speak with either of those two gentlemen gentlemen, Father Peter McVerry or Father Sean Healy, they always make so much sense. You always come away from the interview thinking, God, that didn't that just make real sense? Why, why is nobody in government listening to, listening to these guys? And you just, I know certainly Father Peter McVerry gets very frustrated about the fact that he feels he's not listened to uh, enough and I think he is a man that should be listened to. So good suggestion uh, from you, uh, Willie. Thank you for that. Uh, John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. And can we wish the very, very Best of luck to everyone who's returning to work today uh, for the first time in three months from today. Hairdressing salons are open. I imagine they're already very busy. Barber shops are open. I imagine they're very busy. Uh, pubs serving food can open. Uh, restaurants, cafes, hotels, galleries, theatres, cinemas, museums, swimming pools and summer camps all reopening. Uh, now they must abide by the COVID-19 uh, precautions. Also from today, uh, weddings, small weddings, they can go ahead. Any other gatherings with up to 50 people indoor can be held from today. That also includes bingos. I don't know, and I know this came up on Friday, 
and we just didn't get to uh, to get to, to see if we could find out are any bingos going ahead this week they can go ahead with 50 I don't know if they're going to wait because from the 20th of July they can hold up to 100 people I don't know if some of the smaller bingo halls would it work with 50 people in there all social, socially distanced so if anybody knows of a bingo going ahead please let us know uh, but small weddings can be held if you've got no more than 50 attending they can go ahead or if you've 200 outdoors that's all goes ahead from today and of course religious services which masses can resume as and from today. Also the limits on people not travelling outside of their own county, that gets lifted. You can travel anywhere you want within Ireland which means you can go to visit family you can go to visit friends. It also means you can go on a holiday break anywhere around the country. Creches have reopened, childminders are back in business, preschools, youth camps all ready to start up from today. Also close contact sports as well as team leagues for adults and children all return and uh, of course from today as well their face covering becomes uh, mandatory on public uh, transport even though uh, it's, been, it's they're saying it, it's from today I don't be, think and I'm open to correction on this I don't think it becomes legal because I think legislation has to be passed in order to make it legally binding that everybody you could be refused onto a bus or a train if you don't have a face covering and I know whenever we mention face covering being made mandatory we will inevitably get people saying sorry now I can't possibly wear a face covering because I have a medical condition uh, and I suffer from asthma is one of the ones we certainly hear from and people say that if they are they can struggle to breathe if they suffer from asthma or if they suffer from something like COPD and they're asked to put a face mask on it can impede their breathing and you know it's a medical uh, issue uh, we are at endeavouring to speak with the Asthma Society of Ireland because they're actually calling on the new government to try to insert something into the exempt which will make people with asthma or COPD exempt from wearing uh, face coverings and they feel something needs to be done on that in direction. I think it's more direction than anything uh, because certainly as I say whenever I mention face coverings I will inevitably get a couple of calls in saying what am I going to do? I, I can't wear a face mask. So as I say we'll hopefully get on to the Asthma Society this week and see if we can get further guidance and clearance uh, from them uh, on it. And cocooners, people who have been cocooning and my apologies to the people that don't like that word, they're still told to to protect themselves from COVID-19. Particularly, they're saying by avoiding pubs and uh, restaurants where the full two metre social distancing is not being enforced. So really what they're saying to people who are in the at-risk groups, the over 70s and the medically vulnerable, you need to be very choosy about where you go, particularly with so many restrictions being opened up and so many more places being opened. The advice for older people and those who have a weakened immune system is to make sure you attend venues that are large enough to accommodate the two metres of physical distancing between the tables and also make sure that you can safely enter and exit the building without coming in very close contact uh, with people. They say to keep attendance as short as possible, wear a face covering, moving around the restaurant and obviously as soon as you get home make sure that you wash uh, your hands. And they also say for older people and the vulnerable at-risk group and those with immune compromised, if you're visiting a hairdressing uh, salon, they suggest picking a time where there are fewer customers like it maybe the start of the day or the end of the day even though I think hairdressers really are stepping up to the mark because I think you know the booking system that's in place they're make sure you know they're not taking any walk-ins if you want to get your hair done now you're going to have to ring your hairdresser in advance get your appointment and uh, turn up and there won't be a clash of a lot of people together and of course the hairdressers have been working 
really, really hard, I think, to get their businesses back up and, and running. So I don't really foresee any problems uh, with hairdressers. And I am delighted to say I actually got a hairdressing appointment for today. So I'll let you know how I got on tomorrow. I've made my appointment um, to turn up on time. I have to wear face covering and all of that. So I'll, I'll let you know how it all uh, goes uh, but I know it's uh, a lot of us could do with a good old haircut uh, for sure. Some of your commentary coming in. Morning Patricia, just heard you talk about the bingo. Uh, what about 45 card drives? Will they ever come back again due to the amount of people touching the cards in relation to the masks and people not able to wear a mask? Maybe the doctors can give you a letter saying, same, yeah, I think that's what's going to have to happen, particularly when it's mandatory to wear a mask getting on a bus or a train. You're going to have to have a letter, a little bit like the letters those of us that came to work during lockdown. I mean, I know how many times I was stopped by the guard and had to produce this letter to say that I was working in the media and I was coming to and, to and from work. So I suppose something similar will happen with regard to people who just can't wear face mask because of the asthma, COPD or some other medical uh, condition. As for 45 card drives, it's an interesting one. People would all be touching the cards if everybody's hands are sterilised and a new pack of cards used or the cards are sterilised. Is that a way that you could get around uh, that? Because technically up to 50 people can gather indoors from today and I don't know how many people would attend a 45 card drive. If it was 50 or less, it could go ahead. But as to how you would make sure that the cards were sterilised, I don't know. But where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, Patricia, I'm the over uh, 70s. Texture says, just keep us locked up and throw away the key. We are not capable of making a decision on how to look after ourselves anymore. Is it any wonder some people are terrified of going outside their door? Give us a break. Well, I think what Neffert are trying to do is to give advice to people that are over 70s. They're not saying to people you can't go outside the door. They're just saying when you are going out, mind yourself, look after yourself keep yourself safe. I mean, I think that's the whole thing about the over 70s and people that are medically uh, vulnerable. They are the ones most at risk if they if they go somewhere and somebody happens to have COVID-19 and you pick it up. So everything is to be do- everything you've you've to think of everything. It's it's personal responsibility as well. It's it's very much looking after yourself and it's very much deciding if you go somewhere and you are, you've decided you want to go to a particular shopping centre or you want to go to a particular restaurant, it was a restaurant I mentioned, and you go there and it's absolutely jammed, jammed packed. If you think that you are going to feel uncomfortable because there's too many people there, then go away and come back on another time. And I think in fairness to Neffert, I think that's what they're, they're not saying to older people, you can't do this and you're never allowed to go into a restaurant again and you're never allowed to go shopping again. But what they're saying is when you're going out, you need to make sure that the two metre social distancing is uh, in place and then things like wearing the face mask constantly washing your hands look after yourself I think that's what it's all about it's trying to protect and to keep you safe and hi Patricia how can the government justify 50 people attending a mass in any church sure some churches would be too small to even have the 50 people doing the two metre social distancing and then you'd have large churches they could have 150 people and more with social distancing. I can't see how the government uh, made this decision. Well, it was the one thing that Leo Varadkar last week, when he was then Taoiseach, said that he was going to go back to Neffet and say, could you look at churches again? And nothing seemed to become of it because the churches are reopening today and the 50 people indoors still uh, remains in place. But you are right. There are some churches that are not going to be able to operate mass with 50 people in there because they've gone with their tape measure and they've checked out the seats. You can sit in that one, you can't sit in that one, you can't 
can't sit in that one, you can't sit in that one, you can sit in that one. And they've got it all. They've had to do the priests have had to do so much work measuring out the churches. And they you in smaller churches, they've discovered they can't get 50 people. If they abide by the two metre social distancing, then they have no hope in hell of getting 50 people into the church. But the bigger churches, I heard of one church last week who, before the 50 was announced, had everything planned and worked out and, and ready. And I think it was 290. They were, it was a huge church. I think it, it seats one and a half thousand or something. But giving, allowing everyone the two metre social distancing, I think it was about 290 they will be able to fish and yet they've been told they can open today but only 50 uh, can come in. So yeah, I, it'll be, I think this week, you know, people will go into the churches and let's see how everything goes. And now of course we have a new, we have a new Taoiseach. So whether our new uh, Taoiseach Michal Martin is something that It'll probably be on his desk. He might look at it. So let's uh, wait and see. Does that change? And will we hear something different this week? And will they extend that number and allow more than 50 people? To me, a lot of it should be done to common sense. If you can fit more in, then let them in. 1850 C103 encourages you to shop local during COVID-19. Some stores can now open safely, so let's do our shopping locally. Use Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to search for hashtag shop local and check to see what Cork businesses are now open. Check to see what Cork businesses are now open. It's a sign of the time. Get everything you need from toys to toilet roll and groceries to gardening. Support your neighbours, friends and communities and shop local. It's a sign of the time. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, a Cork family business looking after you in this time of need. CMIG.ie Shop local with C103. On February the 8th, the Irish public went to the polling stations to vote. Who could have predicted that it would take nearly five months before the new government would be formed? To chat about the events that unfolded over the weekend, I'm joined by our political editor, Sean Defoe. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Patricia. Sean, uh, has it ever taken so long for a programme, to get a programme for government over the line? 140 days? Yeah, I don't think it has. I was trying to find the historical comparison and couldn't find one. We, we certainly, we lamented the 2016 process for being long. It was 10 weeks exactly to the day when they got a, a deal and it was 20 weeks exactly um, for this time around. So literally double the time. And Cork, now we now have our second ever Taoiseach and that's only taken 40, 40 years since the last one. Yeah, <laughs> only the short gap between them. And Michael Martin noted in his speech that he, he holds out the hope for a double uh, quicker than there is a second uh, Cork Taoiseach coming around. Um, and of course, three Cork ministers as well, all from the same constituency, which is another record. Three of the four seats there uh, in Cork South Central are now ministers. And then Donna Goldier, who actually topped the poll, is also there. Constituency there. 
Yeah, I thought I saw somebody tweet about that. The fact that you know that there's these three ministers all coming out of the one constituency and none of them managed to uh, top the poll. Uh, but that's the story for another day. Did it all feel a bit surreal at the weekend, uh, Sean? You didn't have the way it's normally done. Everybody going out to Orson Nuke, they're on the usual photograph that's taken of all of them uh, together. It all just felt a bit surreal. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you could, uh, they were kind of walking around the ground floor of the convention centre, all the TDs, not entirely sure where to go. There was nowhere, no one point to orientate yourself towards, the same as there would be in the Doha building, and yet everyone kind of knew there was a sense of history going on and trying to soak it in. Um, but it led for a very weird atmosphere, particularly inside the convention centre chamber, because you couldn't be any closer than maybe three or four seats away from the next person. So you didn't have that usual chatter and the usual uh, buzz that you would have in the doll chamber ahead of it and the wink and the nod. And, uh, a strange experience, I would say, for Michal Martin, who obviously the culmination of his political career on Saturday being elected Taoiseach and his family couldn't even be in the convention centre with him because of the COVID restrictions. They were back in Cork and only his niece, who's based in Dublin, was the only family member he had there and he didn't have couldn't have the backslapping and the congratulations that you would usually have. So a strange, uh, a strange experience for him and a strange experience for everyone else who was there as well. And then we waited the announcement of the appointments of ministers. Any real surprises there? Yeah, a few of them, and uh, it's always contentious, particularly in this situation when they only have a few seats each to give out in the coalition. Uh, Fine Gael will obviously have to, to do a bit of a call, um, but the likes of which we haven't seen from Cabinet in quite a long time, but because it was expected to get a huge amount of attention, a lot of ministers uh, not coming back to their Cabinet seats. Um, Helen McEntee, the big promotion from Junior Minister in Foreign Affairs to uh, the Justice Minister, which is a massive portfolio for your first senior cabinet um, job as a department that has obviously a, a very difficult history in recent years, uh, culminating with the resignation of Francis Fitzgerald, so she takes on a big job in that one. And then in Fianna Fáil, well, that's where the, the fun and games really started. Uh, the big one is Dara Kaliri, the party's deputy leader, not getting a senior cabinet position, not getting his own department. Instead, he'll be the government chief whip, um, who will sit a cabinet but won't have a vote and will lot of disquiet in the party over that over the last few days. Yeah, and we're even we're even this morning getting commentary in on that, uh, you know, people describing it as an appalling snub and that Micheál Martin will live uh, to regret it. Have you any understanding why he was overlooked? So the, the reasoning seems to be that Micheál Martin wanted, he had specific people in mind for specific portfolios and that he wants Dara Kaliri to be the government chief whip because he sees the relations in this government being very important if anything is going to get done. There's obviously the um, the very clear and obvious potential danger that the party's just not going to get on. But again, if you fall in governments, the Greens there with a very different idea and agenda. And that Derek Leary is very good at bringing people together. He did it in the negotiations and will, as Chief Whip, act as a very good peacemaker to make sure that everyone backs the bits of legislation that they need to. But for him personally, it, it is a huge snub. Um, he said this morning on, on radio that he was disappointed in it, that he still holds out hope of a senior ministry in the future. And a lot of people in the party saying he's been unfairly shafted um, and uh, very annoyed at me, Omar. Okay, and any any other real surprises? And the the Minister for Education. Yeah, Norma Foley, a newly elected TD for Kerry. Was, I was going to say newly elected. It's actually been five months. Uh, not at the door wet week. It's been five wet months that she's been there. Um, is a school teacher by background, so obviously has 
a knowledge of education, but was a surprise. There have been so many Fianna Fáil tipping her, but not very strongly. Um, and she gets in really ahead of Anne Rabbit, who was expected as a member of the negotiating team. Um, and because she's from Galway, from the West, to get a senior ministry. Uh, Thomas Byrne as well, the education spokesperson, he was left out in favour of her. And Jim O'Callaghan, who I think a lot of people would have thought and was in most people's predictions as an absolute banker for Cabinet up until very recently. Seems as though relations between him and Micheál Martin have soured and, and he's left out entirely as well. And then some of the portfolios seem uh, a little strange. I mean, Catherine Martin of the Green Party uh, has got to have one of the busiest portfolios. She's Minister for Culture, Arts, Media, Tourism and Sport. And it's kind of taken on the name of culture, arts, media, tours and sport and whatever you're having yourself. <laughs> Most people in, in Leinster House, it's, it's kind of every, loads of things were amalgamated in there. And none of them small. I mean, they're all relatively big departments in their own right. So the, the letterheads on those particular departments are going to be interesting. But that is, that's a massive one to amalgam together. And a lot of people, for example, in the tourism sector, saying, well, you know, why are we being lumped in with everything else when we are facing the biggest challenge ever in COVID and trying yeah. to come back and we're not going to have the undivided attention of a minister. Uh, some of the other department reshapes, transport and climate change have been rolled in together and given to the Greens, which is, is going to be obviously a pivotal one over the coming years. And the Greens also got a remade Department of Children and Equality, which is also going to take charge of direct provision and reforming and abolishing direct provision over the next few years. So and they've lumped disability. Work. They've lumped disability in on that and one as well. In there. Yeah. yeah, I should say that as well. So that was the Department of Health has now gone over there. So there is a lot of movement around and I think Eamon Ryan actually this morning was saying that he is going to have to walk to two different buildings to get briefed on his department because as of yet nothing has been properly amalgamed and then it's going to be a little bit messy for the next while. You can always cycle. Um, <laughs> and uh, okay, yeah, we've mentioned like eight Fine Gael ministers um, l- losing out in cabinet posts. Somebody's saying, as Sean, does Sean think any of the ministers that lost out for Fine Gael, would they be included as junior ministers? The junior ministers so. are to be announced this week, isn't it? Junior ministers this week, I think Wednesday, yes. So uh, again, the problem for the parties is they only have a number of seats in that. Everyone's giving out that there's 20 overall, but there's seven for Fine Gael, seven for Fianna Fáil with a lot of disappointed people. I think from what I've heard, Josefa Madigan and Joe McHugh are both in line for junior ministries and there is talk that one of uh, Richard Bruton or Charlie Flanagan will also get one, but it hasn't been 100% decided. And then after that, they are probably going to look at both geography and youth um, as a way of, of um, punching people up. So Martin Hayden, the party chairman, has been talked about. Peter Burke, Jennifer Carroll, McNeil, and um, possibly someone from the southeast as well, like Paul Joe, because there's no ministerial representation there. And we're we today the cabinet meeting. They're straight down to business. I mean, there's often a period of the, allowing government and ministers to settle in. There's the sense of they're going to have to really hit the ground running, running because of COVID nineteen. Yeah, there's going to be very little betting in period here. You've got COVID-19, you've got Brexit coming down the road in a couple of months' time. You've got all the other things that need to be dealt with. They're into a cabinet. Their first meeting, us was working cabinet meeting today after all being briefed this morning. July stimulus package is going to be pretty much top of the agenda, multi-billion euro investment package that's due to be published and announced this month. So, or sorry, in July, we're not quite in July yet. Um, so a very quick turnaround time on that. And this could well be the the tone of Micheál Martin's uh, T-shirt ship. He knows he is gone as of the 15th of December 2022. There is a very set timeline on that. And anything he wants to achieve, and I'm sure there's a long list of things he would like to have achieved in the office of T-shirt, has to get done in that time. He's known for being a, a fast-paced individual when he's out campaigning. He's going to have to be out of T-shirt as well to get everything done he wants to do. And what's your gut instinct? Will it last the five years? 
I'm not sure. Five years, I think we will get to four or there, thereabouts, barring some big event, and there, of course, could be that. Um, I think it's been a fall, and, and everyone has an incentive to get to 2022 at least. And then that's going to be fascinating. I mean, if Fianna Fáil have done a, a very good job as the lead party in government up to that point, are they going to want to suddenly hand the reins to Fine Gael two years out from a general election? Are the Greens going to be happy with the progress that's been made up to then on climate change or everything else after we've been through two years of what's likely to be quite a sharp recession? Uh, so many question marks. It's going to be a fascinating time in politics because obviously this kind of coalition has never happened and it's happening in terms of world events that are also unprecedented. So um, they, they need to really hit the ground running. OK, and just I, I, the irony wasn't lost on me on Regina Doherty getting the Senate uh, seat. And I think she's going to be the leader of the upper house and it was Regina Doherty who campaigned to get rid of the Senate. Yeah, and said I think it's unworkable and it's past its time. But of course, it is unworkable and past its time until you uh, need a seat in there, having lost your, your doll seat. So uh, that is another interesting turn, all right, in one of the, the political careers. Absolutely. OK, uh, Sean, a pleasure as always. No doubt we'll talk again during the week, perhaps when we've got the junior ministries uh, when they get announced. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for that. And I know you've been working flat out all weekend. So we appreciate that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Sean Defoe, our political editor. 1850 We're going to take a break and then we are back uh, looking at the homecoming of Miho Martin coming back as a Taoiseach yesterday. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Newly appointed Taoiseach Hall Martin was greeted by emotional scenes in Ballinlock yesterday as he arrived home to a hero's welcome. Neighbours, friends and family lined the street to pay tribute to the second Taoiseach from Cork, bunting and balloons added a splash of colour uh, to the event and there was even a wonderful rousing rendition of the banks of my own lovely Lee. Uh, Fiona Corcoran our senior news reporter was in Ballinlock yesterday and she spoke with some of Micheál Martin's neighbours and friends. My name is Liam Byrne. I was Micheál's maths teacher as well as being his neighbour of course over the years. Yeah, I taught Micheál for um, three years in Kilosh Christry. He was always a student that was, um, I suppose, had an interest in everything that was going on, uh, could I put it like that, uh, as well as being a good student in class. Micheál would have been very, very involved in school activities, like um, I remember being on one of the early school tours with him to London. Um, Micheál himself would have very, very happy memories of his three weeks in the Gaeltacht um, he would have been one of a big number of students that would have gone down to Corcoguina uh, west of Dingle um, with uh, a former teacher who sadly passed away Seamus Langford and many other teachers in Kilosh Street. so Michal himself would tell you that he has very very happy memories of his times in Christry and particularly in his, his three weeks in the Gaeltacht area which gave him a great love of the Irish language and Irish culture, which he still has uh, to this day. Yeah, I remember when the estate was being built uh, around 89, I came down to check on the progress of the house. They were only half built at the time. And I didn't know it, of course, at the time, but as I was driving out, um, Michal was driving in 
So it was then I realised that he was moving in. I don't know who got the bigger shock, me or me all. So, um, so yeah, we're neighbours here since 1989-1990. And as I say, we've watched me all's political progress over the years um, as Lord Mayor and TD and Minister and so on. So he's been... A, a, as his family, Mary and the kids, they've all been great neighbours. So. It's amazing, sure, he deserves it. He's worked long and hard and it's his time now. You've known the family? Yeah, we grew up in the park with them, out in the snow and stuff like that, throwing snowballs. Sure, my sister threw one of the snowballs into his jacket one of the days, yeah. Sure, he's like in a normal everyday fella, outside with his son and stuff, uh, kicking the ball and stuff like that. So, you know, you just see him around and you say hi. It's wonderful. Uh, yeah, he, he well-deserved. And uh, I know that he's taking on the challenge at a very difficult time, but we think he's able for the job and well up for it. When you meet him around now, will you be addressing him as Taoiseach or is it just Hall? Absolutely not. It'll always be Hall. yes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's a man of the people, so I think that uh, he wouldn't like too much attention on him. He's just a very normal man that enjoys uh, the simple things in life, going for a walk and spending time with his family. Well, I'm delighted. I'm delighted for Cork. I think that it's very important. We've been travelling to Dublin a lot for meetings and it's great to see that people may come to Cork for a change and listen to what we have to say down here as well. And we have a lot to add. And we're a big community. We've, um, we're a big city. And we have, um, we've grown to be a very big city in the last year or two. And um, especially with the stretch into the county. And um, so we would like to see ourselves represented and being represented well by three people, but especially the Taoiseach. And like yeah. Ruth said there, I mean, you guys know him not for the politics but for the person that he is that's true yeah that's true and um, and he's always been straight to deal with you know which is which is the important part and um, so we just keep going and um, we keep talking to him <laughs> do you have, I think he'll be very good because he, he is a good decision maker and he will make decisions and he has a clear plan and he had a very clear plan before the election. He was able to talk to us about what he wanted to see happen. He may not achieve it all, but he certainly knows where he's going. It feels great. I suppose I've been his neighbour for all my life. We've always lived next door to him and he's a great guy and a great neighbour. So it's absolutely brilliant to see it. Great for the park. And like he really just is a regular lovely man a busy man of course but I think of him the same as any of the rest of my neighbours but always has been so good to my family and good to everyone in the park and yeah only good things to say about him really What's the atmosphere like in the park today? Very exciting I woke up this morning and it was banners and balloons and news reporters so definitely a different park to yesterday but it's great to see it and it's great to bring everyone together you know When you meet him around like, would it be any different now because of T-shirt? <laughs> to be honest I think I'll still call him Mihal, to be honest Mr Mihal, no um, yeah no I think It'll just be the same as it always has been, like, you know, just, yeah, regular neighbour. Such excitement in the park yesterday in Ballinlock uh, for Micheál Martin uh, coming home. And then he spoke to uh, reporters who turned up uh, yesterday to get a feel of what the homecoming was like. Well, I thought it was a low-key. I was coming down low-key and then the phone calls were coming and so on like that. But it's... Uh, I want to thank my neighbours in the first instance because, um, you know, they, we, we've had a lovely um, friendship here, I suppose, since we first came in here um, back in 1990. 30 years ago. 30 years ago. No, I remember it was 1989 oh, yeah. we with were. Mary's late mother that we were touring around looking for a place to live. And Mary was working in Dublin at the time. And I spotted this place and there was a, I rang the auctioneer, there was two houses still vacant. 
and um, I said this in the middle of the constituency this could be exactly where I should live you know <laughs> and it was only out from Turner's Cross uh, so we settled in here and um, we had the best of neighbours on either side of us great crack in the early years and then we all matured a bit <laughs> and evolved but um, it's been a great uh, oasis for me and to be in the midst of such wonderful people um, very special and then to meet all of those on the outside people who would have Worked long and hard for me, uh, down through the years, um, who have shared in the ups and downs and so on like that. It's just wonderful to see all of them and emotional because for quite a number, some of their loved ones have passed on and people that I w would have been, who would have worked night and day for me and I met, met them today again and it just brings back some wonderful memories, you know, and, um, and we remember them today uh, as well. Uh, and uh, so it's good to see everybody in, in that regard. Was it hard uh, being able to, for them not to be able to travel to Dublin because of restrictions? Not, not really. I think this is COVID. This is the new reality for, for quite some time. Uh, there was no issue about it. I think Mary and Ava were quite adamant that that was the way it's going to be. And uh, they wouldn't have been comfortable in their skin being there either um, because there's many people, for example, can't visit their loved ones in hospital because of COVID. So uh, they were able to watch it on very good media coverage. Uh, and so on like and so we're in touch by phone uh, and that's the way it is Can I ask your, your dad was a huge supporter of Jack Lynch Yes and obviously coming back to Cork as Cork Bishop that must be expected Yeah I'm conscious of that I, I, I think I wouldn't be telling the truth to say I, I wasn't um, I suppose in many ways that was our initial introduction into politics we, had, we were all marched into the sitting room in Turner's Cross to watch Jack Lynch uh, give his artist speeches I think that time there was an hour long, you know, and uh, so we were made to sit down for the hour. You know? And the father would be extolling the virtues of Lynch, Jack Lynch and his speeching and a great speech and so on like that. So that probably got me subconsciously interested in politics. He played football with Jack Lynch. He lost four county finals with Jack Lynch. We're going to be commemorating the Civil War. Yeah. How important is it that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael will be jointly hosting? I think it's going to be very interesting and... Um, Leo Bradker said to me during the week, you know, he said, look, I've taken Collins's down with the portrait of Michael Collins. Uh, and I said, well, actually, you might put it back up. And I'm going to put De Valera next to him uh, in the Taoiseach's office, just to symbolise what has happened in terms of, 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 of the formation of this government. I have a wonderful portrait of De Valera in my own office, uh, opposition office. I'm going to bring that over. The mass is there already. And we'll find a place for a bust of Jack Lynch too, you know. So, <laughs> but I think it, it, it will be interesting in terms of the civil war. And I've had some discussions already with people in relation to that. Um, and I think we've got to do it. I misspoke to the president yesterday um, about that uh, in the Auris. Um, it'll have to be sensitive. It'll have to be honest. But it'll have to be done with a maturity that can... Uh, I suppose educate and provide insights to the younger generations in terms of the formation and evolution of the state and uh, I think it was Sean Lamass who, who said um, that it was often the generations that followed the protagonists in the Civil War who became the most bitter that many of the protagonists themselves weren't as bitter, they regretted it Lamass's tribute to W.T. Cosgrave and the Doyle when W.T. Cosgrave retired was was an, uh, was an extraordinary tribute of, of generosity and Lamass suffered a lot with his brother and so on uh, I think that's where we have to go um, and history to me as you know is, is, is about revelation it's about insights we can't look back judgmentally we can't import the values of today back 100 years ago we have to learn from it um, and understand it and not try and 
cover it up or camouflage it. It belongs to no party. Behold Martin the man, the husband. You're going to be very dangerous. We were 30 years married last week and I've stayed with him for 30 years. Look, we have, you know, they're the treasures of our life. The kids are just our treasures and we're happy in our little skins ourselves. Yep, yeah. Can I see any of your children following the footsteps? Well, I know. I'm encouraging them to continue with their work and education. It's a very difficult life, politics. Yeah. And in the modern era, it's becoming ever more challenging. Um, so, look, but um, that's a matter for them if they ever want. That's a matter for their to make up their own mind. But enjoy life as what I would give them is the best advice I'd give them on the next decade or so. Yeah. Okay, that is uh, Micheál Martin, our Taoiseach, speaking yesterday outside his home in Ballin uh, Lock uh, to the media, of which one was our own uh, senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. Thanks to Fiona uh, for those packages from yesterday. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Roger, one of our listeners, has contacted us. He has a bit of a back issue going on at the moment and he needs a male massage therapist. Somebody operating somewhere in the West Cork uh, area. He obviously is willing to travel. Uh, and I know massage therapists, they're, are one, they're on the list of businesses that are back up and operating from uh, today. So does anybody know of a male massage therapist operating in the West Cork area back in business today? We have Roger's details. If uh, somebody can point us in the right direction for Roger, please. 1850 And talking of phase three and the reopening of businesses today, Deirdre in Formoy says while many people are returning to work today and uh, people are looking to find out what local businesses are opening and we're constantly saying please shop and support your local businesses Deirdre says, let's take time out and remember that not all businesses are reopening uh, today and that the last three months have been a very, very difficult time for some, mainly small businesses. Please remember those businesses today. They gave to their communities and unfortunately they're not reopening. Yeah, and I know we spoke with some of the cafes and restaurants that uh, have decided not to reopen, but they were just, they're just a tiny proportion of other businesses. You know, every sector of society has been affected by this pandemic and the closure was just too much for some small businesses. So Deirdre is right. There are some who will not reopen and will never reopen again. And then John was on to us. He is a publican and he said, Patricia, would you please remind listeners that the bars and the pubs that are opening today are only those that serve food all the rest of the pubs have to wait until the 20th of July. John has been getting a number of calls from people saying, are you open tonight? And he said he's not. And he said some people just don't seem to understand that. It's only bars and pubs that serve food that are opening today. All the rest of the pubs then reopen on July the 20th. Glad to clarify that uh, for you, John. Thank you for that. Now, uh, we had somebody on earlier who, when I mentioned about Neffet were giving advice to the over 70s and those that are medically vulnerable, that if you are heading out and if you're going out to a pub or a restaurant to have a meal, to try to avoid any, whether the two metre social distancing can't be enforced and one over 70 got very annoyed saying it sounds it still sounds a bit like you just want to lock the door and throw away the key we as over 70s are very capable of making our own decisions uh, but with all the advice that's been given some people are terrified to go outside uh, their door now a cocooner we spoke to quite a lot during lockdown was Eileen out on beautiful Bear Island and uh, she was listening to me this morning and she's contacted us good morning to you Eileen 
Good morning, Patricia. Eileen, you speak on behalf of, I think, a cohort of people that was in some way have been forgotten about during lockdown. And that's the very fit, healthy and active over 70s. Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, I have um, an underlying medical condition in a way. I have high blood pressure. So, okay. you know, but I think my blood pressure goes up when I get angry. But anyway, that's besides the point. But, but, Let's keep but. you calm then this morning. Nice and calm now. <laughs> but I am an active over 70s. Yeah. I mean, and I feel frustrated. Like, um, we're being... You know, I mean, I know it's great to see people getting back to work and it's absolutely wonderful when our family are going back to work. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not knocking anything like that. It's great to see the country. But I just feel that, you know, we're the over 70s, are the over, you know, even the over, you can get active over 80s, you know, over 90s even. And I think we're the people that made the people that are coming behind us, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, I do. You know, don't forget about us. Don't write us off. Don't put us in God's waiting room and say, look, you know, you're, 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 it's time for you to move to the other level and we forget about you, you know. So that's so, what I feel. Yeah, and when when the lockdown was introduced, it was just kind of a blanket thing. Once you were 70, that was it. You had to stay yeah, indoors yeah, yeah, and yeah. You, ha- you had to cocoon. And actually in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be talking with Alice Taylor, who uh, won't mind me saying, she's in her 80s. She's a very active, active. Ov- yeah, over, yeah. and she's written a book about her, her time cocooning. And there, there was a sense that you were being told what to do almost. Well, it, there's nothing wrong with I suppose being told what to do. But, but I just feel, you know, there's nothing out there, you know, there's a, a fear factor. Yeah. A fear factor. And there is, even for myself, there's a fear factor. I went across the Castle Down Bear last week for just, I went over on the rural transport bus. But there was a fear, you know. Yeah. I, 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 It was something foreign to me. You know, I was going into the supermarket, I had my mask on, and there was an actual fear that I wanted to turn back. Nervous in case you'd pick uh, up the yeah, COVID-19. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and that's, that's, that's just not right. And for me, it's just a foreign, it's just completely, you know, and I am frustrated by all this now. And I just I just want my normal life back. And I know, I know that's not going to happen. I know. And, and, I you think, know, and I know it's not going to happen. And, you yeah. know, and I'm not being selfish or anything like that. You know, I'm not. I'm just frustrated, I suppose, more than anything else. And I don't know if anyone that's out there feel like that. Maybe they don't. Some people are quite happy, you know, like, even though I hate that word cocooning, but some people are quite happy doing that. And that's fine for them. But there's also a group like me that are active and, you know, and, and you want your normal life to return? I do, but I know, no, Patricia, don't get me wrong. I know that's not going to happen. Yeah, and yeah. I have to face the fact that it's not going to happen. But I don't want to face the fact that it's not going to happen. I know well, that I think you know, it's I, stupid as well. But, uh, like yeah, this yeah. is our new normal, unfortunately. It is. And, it is. It is. And yeah, that's what we have to try and get used to until there's yeah. a vaccine. And yeah. it's certainly not going see, to be this year. You see, if you could wind back now, a minute, until there's a vaccine, yes, but, yeah. but. You see, for people of my age and a bit older, how do we know that we're going to get that vaccine? How do we know that they're not going to say, you know, oh, you're not, you're too old to qualify for that? I mean, that can because, happen, in, you know? Yeah, I, t- I tell you why, yeah, but I don't think that'll happen. I think you will be first on the list of people to get the vaccines for the very reason that all of the people, the, the reason that over 70s have been asked to, to be more sheltered uh, if God forbid you got it, you would be more at risk of ending up in hospital. So every single government in the world and health department in the world has got to do everything to protect 
the most those who are medically vulnerable and those who are over 70. You will be first in the line to get the vaccine because they don't want the health system to be swamped with people who need to go on ventilators. So I think if anything, as soon as that vaccine comes out, it's the group who are medically compromised and the over 70s. You're going to be first. I guarantee you, you're going to be first in the line. Okay, okay. I, I'm very sceptical about it. I really am because I've seen the way in other countries that, and they have done this, like they've left people die. I know, you know, I know. Older the way people. And, well, and I mean, for, for people my age, that's scary. Yeah, you of know? course it is. Of course you it know, is. I know people, some people don't look at the news and they don't, they just go on with their daily lives and they don't, but I'm a person that eats and sleeps and breathes <laughs> all information. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and um, maybe I'm a bit too much that way. Um, maybe I should learn to really forget about it and just get on with things, but I don't. And the and islands, the, the islands reopening—that's from yes. today. How yes. do you feel yes. about that, Eileen? Uh, well, I was one of the people that didn't really want it to happen for another while, but that was just my personal opinion. And um, you know, um, for I suppose for workers and all that kind of thing, it had to happen, and it's happened, and that's it. You know, I don't have any choice. I accept it. Anything that comes like that from the government, you accept it. Will you have I family? Will you? Will you have family members now coming to visit you? Uh yeah. Yeah, you will. And yeah, that, I, I, even though my son and his wife came as far as Castletown Bear on Friday, yeah. and they didn't come across to Bear Island because it wasn't allowed. Yeah. And I just went across and we sat with our face masks and we chatted. You know. And was that was, was nice. that gorgeous? <laughs> Oh, stuff! It was. It was so lovely. Yeah. You know, it was. It was things like that. Really, you know. I never thought that something like that would matter so much to you know what I mean but it, it, does. it did it did like it was so lovely just to see their faces yeah yeah, you know, and there's a life. It, this too will pass. It's just going to take to take time. And and you, above anyone, have been so resilient during oh, all know, of I this. Have, You've I been have, fantastic. And I've been very upbeat and all yeah. that kind of thing. But I just want the feel that maybe maybe you know the high the, the hierarchy. Don't forget about people yeah. like me. Yeah, well, well that said. Don't lump us all, you know, into. Oh, you're over 70 so that's the end of your life no it isn't that's just a no. number and I just don't want people I just don't want the government or whoever matters to think that well you know, when you're over 70 forget your life forget it you know you, you, you're not entitled to live anymore you well, have are. you have a lot of living left to do as well. Well, I hope so. You do. You so, do. But I'm not the only one, Patricia. I there know. are other people out there that feel the same way. Don't forget about us. We made what's behind us. Well said. You know? we, well, we contributed to what's behind us. Listen, so, stay you know. safe and we will chat right, again. Patricia. Thanks a million. Okay. Thanks All for right. joining us. The lovely Eileen out on uh, Bear Island. 1850-333-103. Some of your thoughts coming in about the government formation. Ben in Newmarket is talking about Catherine Martin of the Green uh, Party, whose husband is also uh, a TD. And uh, it got announced at the weekend that her brother has now been nominated to the Senate. Ben said, I feel that is sick. Too much for one family and one uh, government. And now she also wants to be leader of the Green Party. Well, in fairness, herself and her husband both got elected by their individual constituencies to be uh, TDs. But yeah, I was. Her brother is um, Vincent P. Martin and he is a practising barrister. He's also a councillor elected to Kildare uh, County Council. He was elected uh, last summer, actually, in the last local elections. And he he is the current director of the Public Access Law Group and he has been appointed to the Senate at the uh, weekend. Okay, also coming in on the government, Donny says, how... How are they able, how were they able to put 
200 or more in the convention centre last Saturday when they're only allowing 50 people to go into the church. Did they break the rules themselves? And tell Michael in West Cork who texted earlier about the end of civil war f- politics where well, we can forget about Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil into the future as they'll tear each other apart in the next election campaign after they have been in uh, government. 1850 Anne says, I'm very angry this morning. People are giving out about this new government. They're not giving the government a chance. They're just in the door so please let them start the job first. People giving out about this one and that one and that TD not getting a job and somebody else getting a job who shouldn't get uh, a job. Can we all just take a breather and wait and see what happens. Give them a chance uh, please. And that is from uh, Anne. I don't know where Anne is calling us from. Thank you for that Anne. Hi uh, we would like to congratulate Michal Martin and his election on Saturday's Taoiseach. It's a great achievement and richly deserved and that's from all in the Court McSherry Fianna Fáil uh, Common. Then Tim has put in a two-part text. Let me see if I can get part one came in earlier. Let me just scroll down to this screen, uh, Tim, for you. Uh, The first budget, this is Tim and how he feels this government will get on uh, because it was one of the the points that I put to Sean Defoe. Did he, as political commentator, did he feel that it would run the five years? He reckons it will possibly get to four but he doesn't know whether it'll, it'll do the full full five year term. Uh, Tim reckons the first budget will be passed and we'll have a budget obviously in October but he reckons the second one is going to be the stumbling block because he said the second one is going to be where the real adjustment will have to be made and that will be such a severe budget that he reckons the Greens will simply walk away. They have history, they've done it in the past so Micheál Martin's government will fall after or close to the second budget. Then he predicts, then this is his prediction, there'll be a leadership challenge. Scores to settle. Dublin versus Cork. Miriam's brother, Jim O'Callaghan, versus Michael McGrath, says Tim, who goes on then to talk about the Green Party, says Catherine Martin, has a charity portfolio and will be known as Minister for Fun. That portfolio is huge. I don't know if she'll be known as the Minister for Fun. Anyway, she will be isolated for daring to challenge for the leadership of the Green Party. Dara Killeary, who people within Fianna Fáil feels were snubbed that he didn't get a full ministerial portfolio does not come across well on television Tim reckons he comes across as too dour those with ability in Fianna Fáil were not were also not chosen the likes of Sean Fleming from a Republican family and Tomás Byrne on the other side Richard Bruton may uh, Richard Bruton's age might have gone against him. He's a great brain and he had a very problem area with uh, broadband. Um, I think within political circles, there was a kind of a gasp when Richard Richard Bruton, who was the outgoing Minister for Communications and uh, Climate Change, I think there was a bit of a gasp and a bit of surprise within political circles that he wasn't given a senior ministerial position because seemingly also in recent times it was Richard Bruton who was instrumental in helping to get the three parties get the programme for government over the line so there was some surprise that he didn't get a senior ministry but for Leo Varadkar he had probably the most difficult job because he only had so many seats so many portfolios to hand out and eight 
of the Fine Gael ministers lost the the top positions. Uh, so, and uh, Richard Bruton was one of them. But I would agree with you, Tim. That there, there certainly did seem to be surprise at the weekend when he wasn't named as a minister. Now, we will have more announcements to be made this week with junior ministries. Will will some of that eight that lost out? I remember one of our own, Michael Creed, who was the Minister for Agriculture, he didn't get a portfolio either. Will any of them be remembered when they hand out the junior portfolios? Only time will tell. Uh, Regina Doherty said somebody else did a great job in social welfare during the pandemic. She's very likeable as well. And, and I'm assuming you're saying that to me because I mentioned Regina Doherty. I just had a kind of a wry smile when I realised that Regina Doherty, uh, because she ran in the election and her constituency said no, she didn't get, get her seat. And obviously she would have been gone then and that would have been it. But then, of course, the pandemic happened. Caretaker government remained on in place. And then absolutely she came to the fore as social welfare minister and did a fine job. And I think the Department of Social Welfare, the civil servants within the Department of Social Welfare did a fine job, particularly with the COVID payments and getting those payments out to people as quickly as possible. And, you know, it's one of the shining lights of what went right certainly in the early days of the pandemic. So yes, she absolutely did a great job. And I think then it changed her mind on on politics because certainly after the election back in February, I saw her being interviewed and she said that that was it. She thought that was the end of her life in politics. Pandemic, role she played, changes her mind and suddenly she wants to stay in politics. And I saw her on the news say that she'd love if she got the call to get the nod for the Senate and then obviously she did and now it turns out that she is going to be the leader of the Upper House. I just had a wry smile because it was Regina Doherty on behalf of the Fine Gael party. She on behalf of her party led the campaign to abolish the Senate. Do you remember we had a referendum to abolish the Senate? It didn't go through. Suddenly, you know, you, you jump forward when she needs a seat in the Senate Everything's fine about the Senate, but at a time when she had her position as a TD, she campaigns to end the Senate. I just uh, thought, just thought it was all a little bit ironic. That's all. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Pat says, "Morning, Patricia." On the news on Saturday night, Martin, our new Taoiseach, said the essence of democracy was to sit down with everyone and have talks. What sort of a hypocrite is he? He has refused to speak to the party that got the most votes in the election, i.e. Sinn Féin. It doesn't say much for us as a country. Terence McSweeney would turn in his grave, says uh, Pat. Hi, uh, says another texter. Look at what happened on Saturday with the government and the seating arrangements in the convention centre. Why can't the church with more room be allowed to do the same with uh, parishioners? And Marie says, hi Patricia, I hope this message finds you well. It does, thank you very much. I can't believe that the Greens are back in government again. People in this country have short memories. Look at what happened in 2008. Also, we all can look forward to more taxes and more poverty. This country has never fully recovered from the crash of 2008. And just a couple of WhatsApps in. We're all doomed, says this texter with this new government. Uh, Where was the two metre social distancing and masks when Micheál Martin, who will be leading this country and this government came to Cork over the weekend? Did he not break all all of the rules? And a final one, Patricia. While everybody else is adhering to all of the regulations and timeframes regarding the return to normal activities, the A&E departments are struggling. I had to attend a Cork A&E department at the weekend for a specific test. My first outing in public since cocooning. I sat in in a waiting room, social distancing for 10 hours over two days. It was terrifying. There was no sterilisation going on in 
the waiting room that I could uh, see with such specific cleaning and time frames that we're hearing about restaurants and hotels, surely the A&E waiting times should be brought down in line. The medical staff were amazing, but they're struggling in very cramped spaces with a huge workload. It's time these facilities needed urgent uh, attention and how right you are. But you do make an interesting point. We're told, as and from today, if we want to go for a meal in a restaurant or into a pub serving food, that we're only allowed 105 minutes and the idea behind it is that we they don't want us spending long periods of time with somebody but if you're inside in the waiting room of an A&E department and you have to sit there uh, for 10 hours over two days where does the 105 minutes it kind of goes out the door uh, doesn't it 1850 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Industrial plumbers are required in the Clonakilty area. All applicants must be fully qualified and you need to hold a valid trade certificate. Manual handling cert and have a safe pass. Digger and tractor driver required in the Fremont area. You must have your own transport and experience of HIMAC tractors. And a childminder wanted in the Clonakilty area to look after two children aged three and five, three to four days a week, no weekend work. And it's to take children to school and play school, etc. And car and vans, they have a vacancy for a van and a car driver. That job does come with an immediate start. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, what has been described as a very special and timely new book from one of Ireland's most inspiring writers, Alice Taylor, joins me to chat about her latest offering called A Cocoon With A View. Good morning to you, Alice. Good morning, Patricia. And I have to say, this is uh, another gem. Now, it's a small little book and I have to say, I managed to to do it all in one sitting and I haven't done that in a long time. I I really enjoyed it. So uh, congratulations to you yet again on another great book. Did you decide early in lockdown to use the time to write? No, the funny thing, I didn't. Um, it was the evening when I came in when I locked the door on the, on the twel- on Thursday night, the 12th of March, will we ever forget it? And um, well, I would I would journal a bit anyway, Patricia. So it was one of the girls in O'Brien Press said to me, Did you, would you think of writing about it? And I thought, what a great idea. So it was actually a diary. I wrote it as it happened. And I kind of found it fierce interesting to do it because it it kind of um, made me look at it maybe more perceptively than I would have otherwise, mm. you know. But to be honest, Patricia, I kind of enjoyed cocooning at a certain level. Yeah. I, I kind of, um, um, in a way, but you see, in a way, I had nothing to complain about. I live in the middle of the village and in, in plenty of space. I have a big garden, I'm a gardener, I write, I do a bit of painting. So I had a lot to occupy myself with. And then um, I thought this is a very unique experience, which it is really like. And uh, I think it needs to be documented by somebody who was really a cocooner, a real cocooner. And um, so that's why I recorded. So I kind of hadn't any big plan, but it it kind of happened. And um, it evolved as it went along. I mean, the the putting up the box for the Swifts just happened. And, um, you know, I think I became more aware, and I say that applied to everybody, of um, 
wildlife. I mean, I could tell you the oldest swallows came this year. Yeah. I couldn't tell you that any other year. Now, when we were children, we we saw, we watched them coming. We were waiting for them. And um, so I think the, the wildlife, you know, formed a big part of our lives while we were cocooning. When I wake in the morning, I know by my... By the traffic, because I'm, as you know, I'm at the side of the main road into Westcock. I know by the traffic, the sound of traffic, what time it is. Would you believe during cocooning, I, there was no traffic. I could hear the birds. Yeah, actually, it was one of the things that I, I commented on, and so did a lot of the listeners mm-hmm. during, during lockdown. And because we had that gorgeous weather oh, as well, which was brilliant. So, so you know, people went to bed with windows opened. That's I woke right. every morning to the dawn chorus. Yeah. And it, there was something magical about it. You see, we've forgotten all that. So I think we've found something we had lost. How did you feel about the term cocooning? That was funny. I know some people and I was surprised because I I loved it because I'll tell you why I loved it. I was reared with a beekeeper and um, so we were used to the term of the little the baby bees cocooning in the hive and um, then the butterflies coming out of the cocoons. So to me, it was from the world of nature. So I had no objection in the world. I just thought that cocooning was uh, uh, from nature and natural. Uh, well, by God, Patricia, it was much better than self-isolation, wasn't it? Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. And and cocoon you did. I mean, you kept away from everyone. I mean, even, even family who lived close by. I mean, your daughter who came to your rescue when <laughs> your computer played up, which it probably didn't play up. You were just pressing the wrong buttons. But, um, but I mean, you didn't even let her in to no, sit in the kitchen with you. We were very vigilant, but I think, I think, in fairness to the powers that be, they conveyed that very clearly, uh, and not threateningly, but clearly. After that, it was up to ourselves, really. But it was self-preservation in a way, like Patricia. It it, it behoved us to look after ourselves and to, and to look after others. So I think it brought out the the caring instinct in in communities, and uh, I think communities looked out for each other as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it nurtured what we had lost. We had lost that sense of, you know, I enjoy the term, the mehel coming back, because I always use that term because we were reared with the mehel. And um, because when I used it in modern terms here in Tidy Towns, my daughter used to say to me, oh, for God's sake, Mom, nobody knows the meaning of that word or you. But the mail came back. It did, it did. It did. And, and I mean, I loved you. You got a knock on the window one day and you went out the front and there was somebody had left scones and a pot of jam. Yeah. I think people looked out for each other. I think people were... I found the neighbours and the and, uh, extended family were great. I think they kind of... Especially to the cocooners, I think they felt a kind of a, a responsibility towards us. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. great. And we, yeah, we've had lovely stories in from people saying, you know, hot food was delivered to somebody yeah. and, you know, and like that, a small little thing like somebody made scones and just left them knocked, ran away, weren't going That's to... Right. Weren't going to engage with the person. And, and you didn't panic by toilet rolls? No, I panicked, <laughs> I panicked but sweet peas. <laughs> I am a sweet pea addict. And uh, every summer I plant sweet peas. I love sweet peas because I think, Patricia, they're the most generous of flowers. They flower outside, you pass them, you go, mmm, the beautiful smell. The more you cut them, the more they flower, you bring them in, put them in the bedroom or the kitchen table, and they're really, you know, they, they make, there's nothing 
it's wonderful as, as nice smells mm. as that as bucket of smells so i love sweet peas for that reason so the thought of a summer without sweet peas to me to be far worse than being without toilet rolls and um so anyway i said out sos and in came sweet peas uh, climbing sweet peas hanging basket sweet peas everlasting sweet peas so i planted them all over and you know something patricia last autumn <clears throat> Normally, I would preserve seeds, you know, wild poppies, um, perennial marigolds. But for some reason, last October, I really um, went overboard, and there was bowls of them in the, in, in, on the table in the back porch. And uh, one lovely warm day, and as you said, the weather was beautiful. I sat out in the yard and put all my bowls on the table, and I said, Alice, you're in no hurry. Take your time. Mm. And I took my time. And there's something wonderful about opening, you know, the little pods of wild poppy seeds and to see the black seeds pouring out. And it makes you realise the generosity of nature. It was almost like you had a premonition last August, last Wasn't autumn it? that you and were going to need them. It was almost and amazingly. Now, I'd been to tulips as well, more than daffodils. I love tulips. I know they're only good for the one year, but I just love them. They're so rich and, oh, they're just great. And for some reason last year, I planted bags of daffodils in the yard in the garden. Oh, boys, was I grateful. You see, we'd have whiskock daffodils here in the in the parish and um, so I'd get them in bags and um, oh my god I, I used to sit out in the yard surrounded by the lovely red tulips and, and uh, yellow and red and I'd say oh thank god I did that last autumn as, if, as you say as if you would have a premonition but I think you know do you know the way nature you know long ago they knew by the haws and the different things and by the sky and by bushes and trees what kind of a winter we were going to have or what kind of a summer we were going to have maybe there's something in nature that forewarns mm. you know that, mm. that what's about to come but we had lost that sense of closeness to nature we weren't listening yeah we yeah. are we certainly are now we are. and and as you say I mean your garden really was your sanctuary and I loved the way and again the weather I mean oh, nature did look after us with the fine weather I love the way you had your, your meals in different parts of the garden that's right because your garden looks different from different corners yeah. and you see different birds and I put feeders normally I wouldn't feed the birds so intensely over the summer to be a winter job but I did this summer pure selfishness because I wanted to hold on to them Yeah, and um, it's lovely to see the baby birds um, you know they're kind of fluttering from branch to branch and uh, yeah I love the birds and that's the one thing about eating out in the garden um, when you're there for a while they kind of forget you're there and they come out and you, you watch them you know so it's, so it's lovely and did, did any birds <clears throat> nest in the box? Oh yeah, oh, they, they did, and a, a blackbird nested up on the edge of the roof of the shop next door. And <clears throat> when he landed, he used to. Now he, he nests there every year, and I always think you're a clever fellow. You're up there because I have cats that visit. I don't have a, a home cat, but do you know the way cats prowl around? Mm-hmm. And I'm always worried them. And uh, I remember watching my man up on the roof, and I thought, oh, my woman, I mean, there's a pair of them there, saying. Why are you so cautious up there? Mother God, Patricia wounded and I see a cat up on the roof, headed in his direction. And I thought, you know, the rule of tooth and claw is very stark, isn't it? <laughs> you know, to watch the cats, they're, my God. They're, you know, so tell everyone what you did. Terrible, yeah. What did you do? 
I tried. Well, you know, I was up on a flat roof. I have a flat roof behind my bedroom here. There's the flat roof of the back porch. And I was too far away from him. I rode over at him. And very unladylike. And I knew he knew that I could. That's so clever. I couldn't get to him. So I took off my shoe and aimed it in his direction. Now, I didn't get him. But he saw it coming. And he, he kind of got excited. And he fell off the roof. And... Because I, I, when, when I was reading that bit, I had visions of you going out onto the flat roof. I said she's going to launch herself at the cat. Because I have to say, reading the book, there was parts of it where I was a bit nervous for you. You really get up to stuff, Alice. I do. That and you my, shouldn't be doing I her. knew and my family. I mean, one of my lads read it and he said, you mean to tell me you turned a mattress uh, in the middle of all this, and I did, and you know, but, but it was funny, Patricia, when I had the, when I had the mattress turned. It was one morning, I, you know, the, some mornings you wake up feeling, oh God, I'm not great today, like, and you get cabin fever, and I was having one of those days, so I thought, right, and I whipped all the bed clothes off, and I took them down, put them in the washing machine, threw the duvet and pillows out the back windows, and decided to, you know, as I said, the weather was beautiful, and when I had everything stripped off, I thought, God, I'll turn the mattress. So turning a mattress is <clears throat> is a daunting process, uh, process because I have a big bed. I never change the bed. And um, so I turned the mattress. And when I had it done, I thought, whew. And I sat down. I have an arm, uh, a rocking chair here in the bedroom. And I thought, I better sit down in case I get a heart attack. I thought to the brain. And I thought, my crowd would say, what the hell were you doing? You crazy woman. And I thought I wouldn't get much sympathy if I, if I died in the middle of that because they'd say, well, it was your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> Flattened under your own mattress. Yes. <laughs> and then you, I mean, the candle, the big boy candle, you were hauling that out. Yeah, I was. You know, I got this idea on Pam Sunday night. Um, for some reason, you know, we would have to over, have Easter inside. And I thought, no, let's light a candle. I was reared with a mother who lit a candle mm. in every emergency. So if we were doing exams, she lit a candle in the middle of the parlour table. And when we came home from school, we always opened the parlour door to check that she had it lighting. <laughs> she always had. And um, so we had the situation of light a candle if there's a problem. So I thought, oh yeah, let's light a candle. So I thought, God, I light it in the window because I, as I know I'm on the, way, the main road into Westcock. I said, what, how comforting to be to be candle lighting. So on Pam Sunday night, I lit the small, an ordinary candle. But the course during the week, Alice got the big idea. We should have a big candle for Easter. And back the corridor, I have what we call the Millennium Candle, the big boy. It's a big candle. It's up to my hip, Patricia, and it's a huge weight of a dibble of a thing. And normally there's loads of help around to drag this big boy, as we call him, around. But there was nobody, only Alice, like. So I caught him by the top and I dragged him. And then when I got him to the kitchen, I rolled him. And so anyway, by a, a, a lengthy, complicated process, I landed him on to the kitchen table. And you see, when we were using him over the years up in the parish hall for different occasions, I never paired him back when he came home. He was thrown back into a back room. So the result was his week was gone away down in a black pool of tallow. So I had to level him off. It took two hours. And we do, uh, and I said, try about three knives. And I heated one of them over the egg. And you know, I melted on oh, Mother God. It, it was a bigger job than I planned. But anyway, eventually I got it, I got him level. And I rolled him off the table and rolled him out of the dining room window. And then trying to get him, you see, he was too big for the windowsill. So I put a table and hoist him onto the table. But eventually he landed. 
and I let him for a couple of nights. But Patricia, he was, you see, it was grand lighting, but I had to pair him. And the first night when I tried, I thought, God, I'll try do it while, he, while he's still soft and hot. But when I tilted him sideways, there was a spray of hot. You could have scalded yourself with so the I could have. So anyway, after a bit, I evicted him and I rolled him back the corridor and I, I went back to the ordinary candle. <laughs> Stick with <laughs> stick with the ordinary candle, the would, ordinary you for, candle. Would, would you? Uh, for now, uh, and I loved you because I, I, for some strange reason, the very same thought went into my head as we headed into May in the middle of lockdown. Yeah. I got a flashback to the May altar we used to have in in school, yeah. um, and I and I loved the fact when I was reading your book, you got the same thought, yeah. and and you, you you set up a May May altar, but you did it outside. I did um, because I was planting the the the. The flat roof, behind, you know, I have a, a garden out in the flat roof behind my bedroom. And you know, it sounds very posh, but it's only a collection of pots and pens that I plant sweet peas and things in. And there beside it is a big statue. I mean, a, this is a big statue. Would you believe, um, Patricia, Uncle Jack and Auntie Peg won it in a raffle? Could you imagine <laughs> winning a big statue of a lady in a raffle in today's Ireland? They'd have you arrested. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> But anyway, they did, and they loved this statue. And it was here in my house here. It moved in when they died, of course. And um, I often looked at her, and I said to her lady, I wonder what's going to happen to you when I go. You know, because the next generation aren't into statues, as you know. So anyway, I was thinking of my May altar, and I was thinking, will I bring in the bluebells now and uh, take you down to the back porch, or what will I do? And then I got it. I got a brilliant idea. I thought, no. I'll take you out into the garden, which was at that st- time covered in bluebells. And um, so I got her. She lifted her down. She was fairly heavy. Eased her down the stairs, step by step. But I caught her by the by the by the well, I want by the top of the head. But put my arms around her neck and eased her down, and gradually eased her out the back door and up to the garden. And there I plunked her. St. Joseph is already there. But, but he's already, he's he's a Portland stone. I mean, he's a big, heavy boy. And um, so, lady, she, I took her out into the garden. And you know something? Well, she's been moved now since the original location because she's in a better place. There's an old cherry tree out there. The, well, there's the, the, the back of an old cherry tree. And it's two trunks, a lower one and a high one. So I plunked her up eventually on the lower trunk and the higher one is to her back and she's there in the middle of all the greenery and she's absolutely lovely and and will she stay there now she'll stay yeah there you're going to leave her there she'll yeah stay there now she's found she, a new home she's found a new home and she's safe there because i think the the terror of of um, i think old monasteries and churches and everything they always worried that their that their lovely statues would finish up in terrible places mm. And, uh, you know, I think they're lovely in gardens. Yeah, gorgeous. gorgeous. And, you, and you have the space for it uh, as well. I and you, you also, the, the one thing that you missed the most, I suppose, uh, during the time was your family, but your grandchildren in, in particular. And, and the, little, the little guy, Tim, wondering, what, how does he make sense of all yeah, of this? Yeah, I mean, he was, he was only to three. Yeah, he looked in the window and he, you could see the confusion because he was used to tearing in and out of here. And um, they only live up the hill and I would go up. And, um, but, yeah, I knew he was confused, but Patricia did not happen when I was left out. <laughs> I went up the hill and it was so funny. I went, I was walking past their house and they, they have a little 
side gate and I walked on the gravel to check the window boxes and uh, my son-in-law opened the window and uh, so we had a conversation through the window. It was my first night out now and um, so little Tim popped up his head and he looked at me in amazement. I don't know what he said, uh, Patricia. What? Nana, who left you out? <laughs> I should go out help <laughs> So it's had its funny sides as well. Yeah, it does indeed. So, so how is life now? This is your new normal now. Yeah, I'm emerging. Um, I must say now, sort of uh, carefully enough. Yeah, you know, I go for walks. I, I, you know, I go up. I walk up to the. Uh, up the hill here, we have the church, and there's a we have a lovely. I love walking on graveyards; they're so peaceful. And um, the, off it, there's a, a lane where Bohornas up, which is a, a kind of an old-fashioned lane way. And I walk along there, and uh, it's great to be out, really. Now I've yet to go to the wood, and but I've that in my head because we have a wood here, and the wood was such a boon because, as you know, the GA pitches are all closed, and uh, the playgrounds, so people had no access to that. But we had the wood. And people, I know all the families on their way into the wood. And we had put a lot of uh, effort into the wood over the last couple of years. The Dirty Towns Group putting in pets and steps and everything. So people were so glad of the wood. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's it fantastic. fantastic. All right. And, and I'm not going to give all the stories away from the book because I'm suggesting to people to buy it. But what I will say to you, Alice, would you go away into and buy a decent hair scissors? You can get it inside <laughs> in a chemist's shop. I just read what Alice did to cut her hair. I was gobsmacked. And I know there's another book on on the way. It'll be out in October. Books from the attic. That's right. Is that finished? It's gone. It's nearly there. Nearly now. there. Nearly there. Yeah. Well, we look forward to that. Yeah. In the meantime, you look after yourself. Stay, Thanks, stay Patricia. safe, and stop. Don't get someone to help turn the mattress for you the next time. <laughs> all right. Pleasure as always to talk to you. God bless. Bye, Take Patricia. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is the wonderful Alice Taylor joining us live from Inna Shannon. The book is called A Cocoon with a View, and it's a book of comfort for all times. <laughs> now brings you even more music variety. music variety. We've just launched a brand new radio station. C103 Anthems. Playing the biggest songs of, of, of all time. Exclusively online. C103 Anthems. To listen to C103 Anthems, download our phone app, ask your smart speaker, or go to c103.ie. Anthem. Alice Taylor is a breath of fresh air. She is. She's always, it's one of those interviews when I know I'm going to be interviewing her. Uh, I also have always come to work with a with a smile because she, she always makes me laugh. And the book is just, as I say, I sat down in one sitting and read it. It's only a small little book, obviously, because it, it covers the period from the lockdown in March up to the beginning of uh, May. But it's a, it's a delightful little read. Uh, it really is. OK, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. A lot to get through in the next hour. And Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, if you've got a question, get it in. 1850-333-103 text WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours Join me, Martina O'Donoghue every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Keep your questions coming in for Annalise Drussell, by the way, our nutritional therapist. Uh, she'll join us after half past 12 today, 1850 John Paul is taking uh, questions, so you can text 0862 103 A number of people uh, really enjoyed my chat with Alice Taylor in the last hour. Uh, John and Kilmichael says, Patricia, I really enjoyed Alice talking about the blackbird. I'd love if you'd be able to play Living Next Door to Alice for her. That's from John in... Um, Kilmichael don't unfortunately have that song but uh, thank you and I'm glad that you enjoyed Alice's chat Hi Patricia um, always lovely to hear Alice on the radio I could actually sit listening listening to her all day uh, long and someone else is wonderful to hear Alice Taylor what a lovely lovely lady she is OK just a couple of other WhatsApps my apologies I'm late to the WhatsApps but I had a problem with being able to access them but they're back up and running now uh, thank God. Okay, some of your WhatsApps coming in. Hi Patricia, I am 60 in August. I'm looking at going away to a hotel in Killarney just to get a one night, get a bit of a break, celebrate my 60th and all of that. The cheapest I can find for a midweek, €330. By the way, no breakfast for two people. Four star crazy quote. That's for Joe in uh, Ballangiri. I say to you, Joe, shop around and there are many other places that you can go to I think this came up on the programme again uh, last week for some reason the hotels in Killarney always been able to charge they really have but people are really getting very very annoyed uh, about it there are some wonderful dare I say you're in Ballingiri gorgeous parts of uh, other parts of Cork that you could go to you know we were trying to get people to staycation and staycation even more uh, locally and I know that idea of of getting away for a night but I I would say to you shop around look around just look look at other areas where you may be able to find better value but that does sound expensive for €330 for two people with no breakfast it does sound a tad on the expensive side can anybody offer Mary advice the water from our tap has a terrible smell of chlorine now I don't know where Mary is texting in from terrible smell of chlorine from it is it safe to drink would the water filter jugs help also what about lime in water is that safe well I know there's no problem with lime drink physically it won't do you any harm with lime it's just if you live in an area that's got limey water you will know all about it because you'll end up spending a fortune buying new kettles etc the damage that lime does to electrical products uh, is really crazy but a strong smell of uh, chlorine anybody else noticing that as I say if you want to let us know where you are messaging from Mary if we can narrow it down and maybe find out from Irish Water as to why you'd be having a stronger smell of chlorine from your water than you do of uh, late Hi Patricia you might mention that in another positive sign GAA action resumes locally with an interactive junior hurling challenge match between North Cork representatives Araglin and Mount Mallory from Waterford it's in Araglin Community Field and it will happen tomorrow evening Tuesday the 30th of June at half past seven admission is free and that's from John O'Hearn who's the PRO of Araglin uh, GAA good luck there to Araglin in that match tomorrow night and uh, of course now meeting outside 200 people can turn up social distancing and all of that but 200 people can go along and watch that match Meg says to the over 70s that are giving out about cocooning and having to stay indoors they need to cop on says Meg and heed the medical advice look at all the help that is out there nobody over the age of 70 should be uh, complaining and Mary says hi Patricia can you bring up the issue please of the on post currency card 
there that has been suspended since the weekend. It's a MasterCard where you prepay money into it. You cannot use it now, even though your money is in it, says Mary. Yeah, this is a kind of a bit of a worrying story that broke over the weekend. And I can add further worries to it because it's not just the on-post money currency card. We were getting some calls in that there was an issue with the Mahan Point gift cards. And seemingly they've also been, they've both been suspended after the user of the card collapsed. It's a German firm by the name of Wirecard and they were required to cease all regulated activities by the UK financial regulator. Now we're trying to get an update on this from on post as to what happens to people with their currency uh, cards. This is the, um, they, they were great cards. You put your money on it and you could travel anywhere and it was better than, it was the same as carrying cash but safer obviously than carrying cash and people have put money onto it. So we're trying to get an update as to what exactly has happened but they have been suspended and I'm told it's the same issue that's affecting the Mahon Point gift cards and of course Mahon Point now has reopened and people are back out shopping and people who say would have got gift cards at Christmas were going along to spend their gift cards only to discover that they, they've been suspended and hopefully that's going to get sorted out and people will get their hard earned cash back but as of now the Mahon Point gift cards have been suspended as have the unpost currency cards if we can get more on that story uh, we will 1850 we know that the hairdressers and the barbers uh, no doubt they've all had very busy mornings this morning they're back up and operating. Fiona, our senior news reporter, headed to Carrigaline this morning where I'm told a queue had formed early for a barber's shop. It's Kusadasi Barbers in Carrigaline. Is that Achikas from Kusadasi Barbers in Carrigaline? Good to be back to work. I missed the cutting here. So first day is a practicing day. So I hope they're all happy enough. Yeah. We are doing our best to keep our customer happy and safe using all disposable towels and the disposable gowns. Everything is once use, so we are doing our best. We are happy to be back to work anyway, so... Is it strange being back here with the Perspex screens and the mask? It is, but we have to do our best to be safe, so we have to get rid of this thing. I hope it won't come back, so we have to do our best to be, you know, put all protections between all the stuff and stuff. Bloody fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's been so long. I mean, look at it. It's, it's a total mess, so got to wear a cap all the time. Yeah. And did you try and do any haircuts yourself at home? Oh, Christ, no. I'd have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> and how often would you probably get your haircut normally? Normally every six weeks. So it's been a long time. I'm looking forward to going to the barber after three months of growth. And uh, I anticipated a queue. Um, however, it seems to be moving along fairly well and uh, they're very, very good here in the Turkish Barbers. Yeah. But um, uh, looking forward to it. And, um, uh, I w- Do you do any home cuts yourself? Do you know, I, I gave some trims, I think, a couple of months ago, you know, and um, uh, it seemed to work out at the time. But I think desperation started to set in um, after, after a couple of months and, um, and I'm glad it's open now today. <laughs> today is a, a big day. It should be called a national holiday, you know, so... <laughs> I am indeed. I haven't got much to cut, but I'd like to get it. I'd like to get it trimmed and tidied up, you know. So looking forward to it, really. And did you, you know. Do anything yourself at home over Abs- the last Absolutely not. Only just catch a mirror once in a while and have a look at it behind, and I give it a quick, you know. Because other than that, I just, you know, I just I like to keep it kind of tight and tightly cut anyway, you know. It's like it's one of the days that everyone 
Absolutely, yeah. Purpose, yeah. Um, when you used to get hair done on a kind of a regular basis, you'd miss it, you know? Yeah, it's great, actually. I normally get my hair cut once a week, so it's uh, long overdue. So we see. Would you not um, get used to the long hair? Would you not leave it like that? Uh, no, I haven't had long hair now since, I don't know, about 15 years ago, I'd say. So, uh, yeah, well needed cut. And was there any, like, COVID lockdown haircuts at home? I tried alright with the scissors, but it didn't work out too well, so I just left it alone. But uh, yeah, but I've been working away, so it's kind of I have normality for me. Just spare the haircuts. Over the moon! <laughs> I can't wait. How often would you normally get your hair cut? About once a month, usually. That kind of stuff. I got I got two during lockdown, and I don't want to show the picture to anyone. <laughs> Who did it for you? Uh, my mom. <laughs> and it didn't go well. Let's just say that. <laughs> Uh, she gave me a buzz cut, and it's not my usual one, but I looked like I, my my looked like the haircuts when I was five. It, it it didn't turn out good. At least you didn't have to go to school, or you didn't have to see. No, your thank God, thank God, no one had to see it. <laughs> At least Mammy was trying to help you out. Uh, thank you to. Um, Fiona and to all those clients who were heading into the Turkish barbers in Carrigaline, uh, Kusadasi barbers who sounded very, very busy uh, indeed uh, today. Um, and can I offer congratulations because I saw this come in. Where's my text gone? I saw this come in. Um, Thank you to Evelyn O'Brien from uh, Glamworth messaging to let me know that her daughter Nula gave birth last Friday to a bouncing healthy baby boy, little baby Shay, £8.5 uh, ounces and both Mammy and Baby are doing well and of course Daddy Dale and they can't wait for them all to come home sometime in uh, September and that was Nula O'Brien who spoke to us from Sydney in Australia. Uh, she was the young lady who had, had been told because she had been um, she had battled cancer and she had been told that she was infertile and that she would never be able to have a baby and she headed off in with, on her travels herself and her partner Dale and they went to Australia and lo and behold she discovered she was pregnant very late in the pregnancy she only had weeks left to go and we spoke to her in the last few weeks when they were frantically trying to get cots and prams and baby clothes and, and whatever and of course obviously with lockdown and all of that and travel problem with travel and she can't come home so they're hoping fingers crossed the flights will resume and she'll be able to come back in uh, September but I asked her at the time if her if her mammy uh, Nana uh, Evelyn O'Brien in Glamour would let us know so just delighted just seeing that text coming in this morning so thank you Evelyn uh, for that and would you pass on our heartiest congratulations to uh, Nula it is uh, terrific and to Dale and to little baby Shay 1850 333 103 lines open The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie once again this evening you can drop your used clothes, shoes, bags, sheets, curtains towels and soft toys to Gaggin Hall between 7 and 8 it's all in aid of the Gaggin Hall uh, car park and the last Friday in June, that was last Friday, so that's gone. Um, Any time in the month of July, you're invited to come to Court McSherry to run or walk the usual 10k road race route. And you can get a uh, link on mapmyrun.com. 
and the Cope Foundation are supporting over 2,500 children and adults with intellectual disabilities and autism in over 70 locations across Cork City and County and they are fundraising by asking people to complete the five peaks in one week. You can get full details on how to take part and how to donate by going to their website www.cope-foundation.ie C103 encourages you to shop local during COVID-19. Some stores can now open safely, so let's do our shopping locally. Use Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to search for hashtag shop local and check to see what Cork businesses are now open. Check to see what Cork businesses are now open. It's a sign of the time. Get everything you need from toys to toilet roll and groceries to gardening. Support your neighbours, friends and communities and shop local. It's a sign of the time. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, a Cork family business looking after you in this time of need. CMIG.ie. Shop local with C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Some of your calls uh, coming in. Mary in Carrigal Line says cocooning is definitely over. My house is full of grandchildren this morning. Why? The daughters have all gone off to get their hair done at the hairdressers. Maybe cocooning wasn't such a bad thing, says Mary in Carrigal Line. You're probably loving it, but you sound like you've got a very, very busy, busy household. Thank you for that, Mary. Niall in Mallow says, while it it's great that the country is getting back to normal, I do miss the ease of getting around during lockdown. Uh, a journey before the was taking 10 minutes can now take 20 to 30 minutes there's a lot more traffic back out on the roads again as people to return to uh, work yeah that's uh, that's for sure and Nancy in Bantry and I'd be interested in people's thoughts on this wants to know what did other listeners think of the very 
first ever RTE comic relief which was on on Friday night Nancy said I felt it was a bit dull it lacked something did anybody else feel the same also says Nancy thought it got a bit smutty as it went uh, went on I'm not a prude but it seemed to turn a bit smutty as the night went on comparing it to the BBC is uh, totally different okay well I watched I watched I watched the entire thing from start to finish I have to say I enjoyed it I, I thought parts of it were absolutely brilliant I thought the sketch that they did from normal people just filled my heart with joy there was nothing comedic about it it just filled my heart with joy the scene in the confession box because I want those two uh, to get together having loved the the series Normal People but anyway that's an aside I tell you when you say it was all a bit dull do you know what it missed and what it lacked and this wasn't RTE's fault the live audience you know when they'd go from one clip and then they would go back to the five presenters all standing around socially distancing if you think about it and you were a regular watcher of Comic Relief on the BBC that would have been back into a packed studio with everybody cheering and clapping and laughing etc that to me was where it was just fell a bit flat and dull is a good word I think that Nancy uh, used but that wasn't RTE's fault. You know, they couldn't, they weren't able to have a live uh, audience. But for their first attempt, I thought, I thought they did quite well. I have to say, I, I enjoyed it, but maybe that's just me. Uh, let's see uh, how others feel. 1850, uh, 333103. If others watched it or not, did you enjoy it? Or were you with Nancy that it just lacked something and it was nothing like the one that normally is on the BBC. Your thoughts on that, please. 1850 at 333-103. Also coming in to us on a text. Keep your texts coming, please, for Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist. She's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. So if you've got a question for Annalise, get that into us. I can see some questions coming in uh, already. Uh, Eileen says, hi, a question. What is the situation with the over 70s working in a charity shop as a volunteer now with COVID-19? Thanking you. Uh, love your show. Um, I imagine it's an individual choice, Eileen, if you want to go back out and volunteer. I mean, I certainly would check with your, I don't know what charity shop you volunteer for, I would check with the management at the charity shop. Maybe they have rules and regulations. Maybe they're asking their over 70s who are volunteers not to work with, because we know that the virus is out there, even though there's less of it in the community. But maybe they're they're not allowing the volunteers to come back to work. Maybe others are. I'm, I'm assuming it'll be an individual choice both for the volunteer and for the organisation that you're actually working with. I certainly haven't seen any guidelines telling people over 70 not to go out and do uh, volunteer work. The only sort of guidance that I'm seeing coming from Neffet is for the over 70s to mind yourself, look after yourself, make sure the social distancing. Now, I know the advice that they were giving when they were talking about the over 70s are those who have an underlying health condition. They gave advice at the weekend if you know if you're planning on going out to a restaurant. Now the restaurants are allowed uh, to open and they were saying to people you know make sure that whatever restaurant or bar that you pick that the two metre social distancing between tables uh, is in. But they also did say to keep the attendance as short as possible obviously in under the two hours get in have your meal and get out so I'm assuming if you're volunteering in a charity shop you would be in there for more than two hours so maybe you need to take take that on board I haven't seen anything that's not to say that there are not guidelines because I spent a lot of time at the weekend going through gov.ie just trying to get up to speed 
on the new phase three and the rules and regulations and it's it's a fantastic website I have to say and it has been brilliant for all of the COVID-19 information but sometimes there's just so much information on it you can be buried you're trying to look through it so I didn't see I didn't see anything on it that fell into about volunteering but look let's see let's put it out there and see because there will will be many of our listeners over the age of 70 very fit active healthy over 70s who have been giving countless hours before the pandemic to charity shops and working for charities and volunteering so we'll see how are others getting around to that and are there others over the age of 70 volunteering at a charity shop are you back working in the charity shop or what way has it been handled if you can let us know please 1850 333103 and happy 55th wedding anniversary to Brian uh, Wall uh, in Mallow from Ronnie, his wife. So can I say happy 55th wedding anniversary to you as well. That's Brian and uh, Ronnie Wall. Uh, 55 years of wedded bliss uh, and celebrating it in the middle of a pandemic is difficult, I think, for so many people are really uh, struggling to have some kind of celebrations. I tell you, as restrictions start to get lifted and they are starting to get lifted and hotels are starting to reopen and I think in three weeks' time when we get to the 20th of July when more people are allowed, like at the moment it's 50 can be allowed at a gathering indoors, it goes to 100 on the 20th of July. There's going to be so many events that are going to have to be organised, special birthdays, that have happened uh, during lockdown special wedding anniversaries like Brian and Ronnie's as well there'll be lots and lots of uh, reasons and occasions for all of us to celebrate which will be terrific and we will look forward to that for sure 1850 Mary says Patricia morning to you I'm having problems taxing my car online anybody else having this problem I've done it before but today I can't get past stage two it keeps telling me my email address is invalid I only have the one email address which hasn't changed so it isn't invalid it's all very annoying I'm just wondering if any of your other listeners are having similar problems uh, from Mary who has taxed her car before so she's doing everything she's done it before she knows what she's doing she's done it right and her email address has not changed anybody else having a similar problem taxing your car online and in particular the issue that's coming up for Mary that when she gets to stage two it's coming up saying her email address is invalid and there's no reason that it should be saying her email address is invalid because nothing has changed for Mary. So if anybody else has had an issue with taxing of your car online can you let us know 1850 333 103 and Aileen in McCroom hopes the government now will lock down the Irish people and force us all to holiday and stay in this country and don't leave us out uh, Aileen feels that nobody should be leaving this country until a vaccine is available or if we don't do that we're going to have a second wave of the virus we should be restricting the people that come into this country and also not letting anybody out of the country uh, lock us we've been in lockdown in our own areas Aileen takes it a step further and says now you're allowed to travel anywhere in the country as and from today but Aileen says that's as far as we should be going we shouldn't be allowed off the uh, island I know the Chief Medical Officer has raised concerns over international travel with now our new Health Minister Tolly Hul- Hulham 
flagged the concerns of Neffet last uh, at night. He was giving out the, the figures. There was sadly one more person passed away due to uh, COVID-19 and there was three new cases confirmed. I mean, those numbers are all still so low and that's what we need to keep them uh, at. And the health, our new health minister now is Stephen Donnelly. It's going to be hard to get used to all of the new ministers and who they are, isn't it? Stephen Donnelly, anyway, is taking over from Simon Harris. Uh, he said that Dr Tony Houlihan had re-raised his concerns on the government plan to allow foreign travel without the mandatory 14-day isolation from approved countries. And that was in a conversation that he had earlier with Tony Houlihan. He said the issue of approved countries is due to be drawn up by July the 9th. We won't know until July uh, the 9th. Uh, Minister Stephen Donnelly said that the so-called air bridge approach to foreign travel was consistent with the W. H.O. advice. Under the plan what will happen is Ireland, we as a country will pair with other countries who have similar low transmission rates of COVID-19 and we will establish restricted free travel between both of them. So it means whoever's in this air bridge a green list they were talking about as well. They'll give us the countries and they'll say, you can, we can, we as Irish people can travel to these countries. People from those countries can travel to uh, Ireland and there will be no restrictions in that. You'll abide by the restrictions in the individual countries, but you won't have to self-isolate on arrival in the other country or when you come back, you won't have to uh, self-isolate. Uh, but I know Chief Medical Officer is still raising concerns about this whole issue around uh, international travel. And it is really, it's a wait and see and it will be individual choices. But we don't know the countries until July the 9th. And when July the 9th comes, what's going to be really interesting, and I think what a lot of people are going to be looking at, will England be on that list? We know that the figures are still rising and they still have a problem uh, in England in getting COVID-19 under control. They're certainly not doing as well as thankfully we're doing here. So will there be a case that we may be allowed to go to, say, the Canary Islands, you may be allowed to go to Spain, you may be allowed to go to uh, France or to other Eastern European countries seem to be doing well as well. But when we get that air bridge and that list of countries that Britain might not be on it, I think that's going to cause a lot of upset to a lot of people because there are many people of family members. They want to travel over and see or they want their family members to travel over here instead. And then our new transport minister, who's our new transport minister? It is, of course, the leader of the Green Party, Eamon Ryan. He said that people should to look to holiday at home this year. He said, if as many of us can stay at home for holidays this summer, it'll be putting money back into the Irish economy. It'll help small Irish tourism and it'll also help help uh, Irish businesses and of course the main thing it'll be doing it'll be good for our health if we can stay in this country and not expose ourselves to COVID-19 from other countries 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 we're going to take a break and coming up uh, Annalise Dressel answering all of your nutritional questions and just a quick call I see Kate has been on to say we've had this, we had the same problem last month with the motor tax office it was telling me my car was already taxed I had to get on to them and they had to reload all my details again I emailed them and the next day I was able to get it done so if you can tell that lady who contacted you to email them that they will be able to sort it out okay there seems to be some issue then with the tax office themselves it seems to be the problem within the office so Mary if you can email them from your email address which is valid you know it is even though they're saying it's invalid and explain the problem you're having and hopefully they will be able to sort it out for you because I certainly did 
I taxed my car online about three weeks ago and I had no, absolutely no problem and within a couple of days my new disc and everything uh, arrived uh, so it is working. Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today and stay up to date with everything happening across Cork. Simply search Facebook for C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And Annalise Russell from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic joining me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, on a day when a lot more businesses are opening up and there's a big rush to the hairdressers. Absolutely, and I saw queues this morning, so I was delighted to see them <laughs> because isn't it great now after the break that they will be so busy. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's so many people can't wait to get their hair cut for sure. Okay, yeah. there's a lot of people have got other issues on though and it's not haircuts they're worried about. Question for Annalise, please. I'm suffering from headaches, or I've always suffered from headaches, but the last few weeks they appear to be sinus related. My nose seems to be continuously blocked. I can feel pressure at the back of my eyes and nose and my head hurts in the forehead, particularly if I bend down. I'm taking a nasal spray and Expudex as recommended by the chemist chemist to try to loosen the mucus but it just doesn't seem to be working I would appreciate any recommendations please from Annalise. It does sound like sinuses doesn't it? Pure sinus Patricia and I'd say of course this time of the year now with the, the birch pollen just finished and the grass pollen kicking off at its height people who suffer from hay fever will have been in agony for the last probably month really and it'll be the next month of grass pollen now to deal with as well. So um that, that sounds like the classic sinus headache, you know, right behind the eyes, worse when you put your head forward. And it really is about relieving pressure there in the, the sinus cavity. So one of the first things I'd recommend is a nasal rinse. Uh, you can buy something called a neti pot um, or just a sinus rinse. And basically what it is, it's just a little bottle that you fill with saline salt solution and you squirt it up through the nasal passages and the salt will kill off any bacteria that are up there. But it does give a great clean out and that will give some kind of a freedom. The second thing I'd say is that the nasal sprays are can sometimes relieve an immediate blockage. But if you read the small print of those nasal sprays, they're for very short term use only. Because what can happen is that they actually can create um, the same problem as you start taking it far. So it can actually increase mucus production in the long term. So if you do actually read the small print, I know people are probably on these all through the summer, but if you read the small print, it's supposed to be for very short-term use. And often when you stop using those sprays as well, the steroid ones, you get what's called um, a rebound effect. So often the symptoms can come back worse than they, they were to begin with. And that goes the same for steroid creams as well, if you're using steroid creams on the skin to manage skin problems. So I'd recommend switching to an alternative. Now, if you think it's worse because of hay fever, there is a Luffa spray spelled L-U-F-F-A that you'll get in the health store. And that's full of a, a mixture of homeopathic remedies that can help in terms of the hay fever response. Um, alternatively, you can get natural ones that just have things like aloe vera in there and possibly maybe some eucalyptus and mint and tea tree just to kind of clear the sinus passages. One of the other great things you can do as well is you can get um, oregano oil or eucalyptus oil and put a couple of drops into a bowl of boiling water, do the towel over the head and breathe and inhale the drops up in through the sinus cavity and you'll get some measure of relief that way. And if it doesn't clear in the summer, if it's a kind of a year-round thing, look at your diet. Dairy is often a big culprit for producing mucus. And you could always try the Dr. Delish Clare Mucotone, which is great for kind of decreasing the amount of mucus that the body is producing. If you can't get your hands on that, you're looking at Plantago, P-L-A-N-T-A-G-O, for mucus, or Ivy Time. So anything that will dry up the mucus 
that is available in your local health shop. Yeah, but certainly in the way she describes bending over and that pain in your oh, head, it's, it's classic. Oh, it's yeah. awful. It really is awful. Uh, hi, Patricia. Question for Annalise, please. I am post-menopause after 11 years of symptoms. Oh, bless your heart. My, the only symptom I'm now left with is sweating. Could Annalise recommend anything in particular for the sweating? Thanking you. Have a good week. And you know, Patricia, it's not uncommon. I still have women coming in that are well past menopause and they still do get the hot flushes. And always the best for the hot flushes is sage. Now, you can take it either as a tea so you can drink it. I actually love the taste of sage um, tea and I would drink it regularly. Or you can take it as a supplement. Um, the Avogel range has a very good sage one. It's called uh, Menoforce. And you'll get that in any health shop or they'll have a good alternative. But always for hot flushes, sage is the best. Okay, I have a question for Annelies on behalf of my mum who suffers from stomach acid reflux. Uh, is there any natural remedy along with the Nexium tablet? She's been taking it for four years, but she's a terrible sore throat. The doctor said to raise the bed so the reflux doesn't come back up to her throat. Yeah, so there's two things I'd recommend for that, Patricia. Um, the, the first one is something called slippery elm. It is coming from the slippery elm tree and it produces this kind of mucilage-like um, coating when you take it or when you mix it with water. Now, you can buy it as a powder or you can take it as capsules. If you take it as capsules, you need to take it about 20 minutes before each meal. And then the capsule will open and it'll line the whole stomach with that lovely thick layer of mucilage and it protects it from the release of acid that we normally get when we eat. So that's one thing. The second thing that's very good as well is something called zinc carnosin, C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. And that helps um, in two ways. First of all, it'll help tighten up that little sphincter valve at the top of the stomach to prevent the reflux coming through. And the second thing is that it nourishes the mucus-producing cells in the stomach so that you can produce a nice thick layer of your own mucus to protect the stomach. So a combination of the two of those, if you use the slippery on powder, you might notice the benefit very, very quickly. But generally, I say to people really towards the end of the month, you should be noticing a big improvement. Um, if not, it's you are not on the right track. Maybe there's a hiatus hernia that's pushing instead. OK, what would Annalise suggest for a sore tongue? It isn't thrush as there's no white dots on the tongue. The tongue, the tongue can look quite red at times. What's causing it and a possible cure? So it could be a number of things, Patricia. The first thing is that it could be a deficiency of one of the B vitamins um, at that red kind of shiny tongue is called glossitis. So I would suggest taking um, a B, good quality B complex. I'm a big fan of the Terra Nova one, uh, which is a natural food-based B complex, so it agrees with most people. Um, that's one thing. Sometimes it can be a, an indicator of iron deficiency. So if you've been deficient in iron in the past, take an iron supplement. It also might mean... Um, that you do have thrush, just because you don't have the white spots on the tongue, you may have some kind of a fungal uh, infection in the mouth. One of the things that's great for sore mouth and sore tongue, Patricia, and if you've got thrush as well, is something called oil pulling. And if you do it with um, coconut oil, it's very, very good as an anti-thrush treatment because there's caprylic acid in the coconut that, that will kill off the fungus of thrush. So what you do is you put a tablespoon of the oil into your mouth. If it's coconut oil, you'll need to wait till it, you know, liquefies in your mouth. And then you literally swish it around your mouth, swish it between your teeth, and you do that for about 10 minutes. So do it when you're sitting down watching a bit of TV at night time. And it's very good to soothe any type of inflammation in the mouth. The other thing I'd look at is possibly if you've changed your toothpaste recently. 
often you might be reacting to the sodium lauryl sulfate, which is used as a foaming agent in toothpaste. So switch to a natural one without that foaming agent, without that sodium lauryl sulfate, and see does that make a difference. Hi, Annalise. Is it okay to take red yeast rice instead of a statin? Absolutely, and I get very, very good results here in the the shop with Patricia. So actually, red rice yeast produces this chemical called monocolon K, which is similar in its chemical structure to what the statin drug is made from, except the statin drug is synthetic. So I would have quite a lot of customers who are unable to take the statins because of very bad side effects, and they do very well on the red rice yeast. There's a great product I sell here called Cardio K, um, and it's always nearly on special offer. You get three for the price of two months. It's really, really good value. It's, it's only about 20 quid for the three months. And me- many, many of my customers have managed to get their cholesterol down. But I'd suggest anybody who's trying to manage their cholesterol naturally, do your program with whatever you're taking diet-wise, what you're changing there, and anything that you're taking supplement-wise. Do it for three months and then go and get checked because you want to make sure it's working. Absolutely. Uh, hi, uh, Mary Mitchellstown. I have a terrible itch in my eyes. So that could be a number of things, Patricia. The first thing at this time of the year is that it's very likely to be some kind of reaction to pollen. It's a very common thing to have itchy, runny eyes, itchy, running nose. So if you think it's a hay fever related one, treat as if it's hay fever. So you could either get antihistamines from the doctor or you can take natural antihistamines like quercetin, vitamin C, um, nettle extract from the health store. If it's not that, it could be something called blepharitis. Um, a lot of people react, actually, they're allergic, Patricia, to the feces, it sounds revolting now, the feces of the demodex mite. Now, the demodex mite lives on most of our skin. It's perfectly natural. Most of us don't have a problem with the feces. But some people are allergic, and it can create itchy eyes and a condition known as blepharitis. So the best thing to use there, actually, is um, a tea tree wipe. Um, you can get specific ones from for the eyes by a company called Opta. The, the product is called Optase, and they're tea tree wipes, and they're very successful for managing itchy eyes if it's related to that. Okay. Hi, Annalise. I'm on aspirin. My skin is so dry, it looks like shattered glass on my arms and legs. Is there anything I can use to ease very dry skin? So what I'd normally recommend for that kind of very, very dry, scaly skin, Patricia, is to take fish oils and the omega-3 fats. But unfortunately, if this person's on an aspirin, it may also contribute to blood thinning. So they would need to check first with their doctor to make sure their doctor would be aware if they wanted to start taking a fish oil. You could increase um, natural fats in the diet in the form of walnuts, linseeds, chia seeds. These are all naturally high in the omega-3 fats and of course they won't be in such high quantities in the diet that they would affect your blood thinning medication. Um, The other thing of course is things like avocados, Um, Any of these plant fats are very good for dry skin. It's about making sure the fat is put back into your skin from the inside. And then using a cream on the outside, um, you know, make sure that you go for a natural cream. The Salcura range, they do a, a range of creams for very dry and very sensitive skin. And those creams themselves are very high in the omega fats. So you're basically not putting them into your body, you're putting it onto your body. And that brand name is called Salcura. And the cream is called either Zeoderm, Z-E-O-D-E-R-M, or there's a spray that I find is wonderful for dry skin, and that's called Derma Spray by the same company. 
Okay, and one final one. Uh, what causes migraines? My daughter had one in April and one again recently. She can actually lose her sight in one eye for a short time before the pain gets extremely bad. I'm wondering, would a warrant an MRI a scan or what would Annalise suggest? So migraines, Patricia, there's so many triggers and so many causes. Um, for women, it's often hormonal, but it can also be diet-related. Um, I mean, if the migraine is very infrequent, so if you only suffer a couple of years, just go to the doctor and get a migraine tablet. And as the first sort of sign or hint of a headache coming, take the anti-migraine tablet so that you prevent it from de- developing into that severe pain. I mean, a lot of people would vomit with it, Patricia. Mm. They would need to lie down in a dark room. It's really wor- about working out the triggers. And of course, if, if it's a sudden thing that has happened and you can't link it to hormone or to diet, definitely an MRI just to make sure you're mentally, you know, that you're kind of resolving any worries or fears that you'd have yourself about something being wrong. But one, if for very frequent migraine, one of the things that can help very um, benefit and prevent them is a very high dose of a vitamin B2. So vitamin B2, you want about 400 micrograms a day, which is, or sorry, milligrams a day, which is a really, really high dose. And you'll struggle to get actually a supplement in that high amount. So what I normally do for my customers is I combine a Viridian high B2 complex, which has got B2, 200 milligrams, plus all the other B complex vitamins in there. And then the Salgar B2, 100 milligrams. So they have to take one of the Viridian ones and two of the Salgar ones. And if you get frequent migraines, this can actually get rid of them completely. And I would have a lot of customers are migraine free for that reason. It, It sounds like a lot. But just in, in these cases, it does prevent the onset. OK, we'll leave it there. We'll talk next Monday. Thanks for that. Thanks, Patricia. Have a good week. That's Annalise Drissel, the Health Hub, Times Square, Ballancolly. See, that's where I'll leave you. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. C103 Anthems. Three anthems weekdays at 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. and online all the time with our new anthems stream. Listen on our app or at c103.ie. C103. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.